Take a walk through university and college campuses and you may see ivy-covered buildings that hark back to a bygone era, while others have a more modernist bent. What do the buildings say about the place? More importantly, what are they telling students? As institutions grapple with ways of attracting and retaining students who are underrepresented in higher education, more attention is being focused on the physical space. In this episode of It's Not Academic, we talk to Gary McCluskey, a principal with Diamond Schmidt Architects, a Toronto architecture firm. Gary has worked with several post-secondary institutions, most recently on the $63 million transformation of Laurentian University Sudbury campus. We spoke with Gary about what campus design says about an institution and how it affects access, particularly that of underrepresented students. Well, thanks very much for being here with us today. We appreciate that. Um, I wondered if we could start out by talking about how the physical space of a building affects access. So I thought it might be interesting to, to start with a, a project that, that we at Diamond Schmidt are fairly well known for, which is the Four Season Centre Opera House here in Toronto. I worked on it as project architect for, for, uh, for many years over the course of its development. And the, the themes of access are all touched on uh, in that project. And you might not think that an opera house or a performing arts project necessarily is, is, is sort of a, uh, maybe a, a key to the themes of access. And certainly that project was about the acoustics, obviously the art form. But in everything that the company wanted to do there was about access. So physical access in terms of uh, a level, you know, kind of straight from sidewalk to seat, and over the course of the development of the design, we actually lowered the entire performance space so that with some gentle ramping, we could get from the front doors, from the sidewalk, front doors, through the lobbies, and to the main level of the auditorium as level access. So in, in terms of universal design, it was very much a theme. But all of the other themes of uh, looking for a building and an expression of an architecture that is more inclusive, is open to new audiences. And as you can imagine with the opera company, they want new audiences. They don't want a, an institution that is putting up uh, walls that feel like are a barrier to, to their audience. So the idea of something that is transparent, literally transparent, to the, to, the, uh, to the city, to the adjacent city, and is welcoming and open, and where really that architecture of a, of a building which has a lot of windows and is very open, and the activities that are inside are being showcased. That theme of an architecture that is open and inclusive in that was very much part of what they were doing. And then the, the sort of the third theme that we're seeing run through many projects is, the, is activities within spaces. So again, at the Four Seasons Center, one of the ideas that emerged was an idea of an informal performance space right within the lobbies, and that that would be visible from the sidewalk. And what they've developed is a, is a, a program of free lunchtime concerts twice a week where people come, and there's a long lineup because people are really interested in them. But just that idea that some people are going to be uh, un, uh, intimidated by the art form or not quite sure of whether they'll like it, and to be able to come to something that's informal during the day that is visible uh, and, and accessible um, to different ages, to different audiences, has been something that's been enormously successful for them. Um, so those ideas of the, the universal design, the, how, it's, how I think access is transformed, the aesthetic of architecture, and then actually how it's used, those run through everything that we're now working on, I think. So the, the example that we wanted to, to, to get into some detail on is, is the project we did at Laurentian University in Sudbury. 
So Laurentian is uh, like many campuses in Ontario and, and Canada and nationally, internationally. The big boom of the 60s and the development of many of these campuses. And there's, you know, there would be a great conversation about how that campus was originally developed because that would be emerging on the, on the suburban, just outside of town, part of Sudbury, as it was in many of these campuses, and issues accessibility that they now have been grappling with for 50 years. So those sorts of issues... But also, it's very much of its time in terms of the character of the architecture. It's imposing the brutalism, uh, the sort of concrete imposing architecture, which is very much the, the style of architecture of that era and into the early 70s. Many of these campuses built that way. So that just that it, it's imposing quality. Uh, and then all the issues of, of accessibility in terms of physical, physical access very much challenges to the campus. So when we came to that project, one, this what was very cool about it as well is it was specifically looking to address issues about student use of the spaces. So universities can get funding for building new departments, building new wings, building new buildings, but when it comes to thinking about how the students use the space and how the infrastructure of the public spaces are tooled for student use, that's hard to get funding for. So this was, there's another really interesting conversation there just about Laurentian identifying this, targeting it, and actually focusing on this project, which they were very, um, they had to be quite um, thoughtful about saying, okay, we're not going to be working on the staff spaces, on the professors, on the offices, although in the end some of that did happen. It was specifically about student access. So one of, the, one of the big issues that they found was students are intimidated by the institution. They're coming maybe from a high school which is one or one of, of a couple of buildings interlinked, and now they're coming to an entire campus. Where is there? Where is the front door? Where do I come in, enter into this facility? So one of the first projects and one of the main projects is what was they called the Welcome Center, and that, that term very useful in terms of many things it does, but one of the things it does is it makes a front door so, so that a, an incoming student or a prospective student is just, just knows where Center Ice is, where do I start, where am I going to be able to meet on the administrative side to ask questions, or where am I going to see student life happening. So that idea of access, of being able to physically see uh, was very much part of the theme that was developed around the Welcome Center. How that affected things like universal design, barrier-free design. So before the renovation, you would approach the building. It was actually, it wasn't actually enclosed. It was an open sort of uh, a breezeway with ramps and steps leading up to two wings of the building. So not very approachable, not literally not accessible. You're negotiating ramps. And then once you get in the building, you're in one building, you come down ramp outside the building and back in the other side. Or it was connected up above. But it was not the two halves of the main building on campus weren't connected at grid. So not really challenging as an architect to come and say, I have an idea <laughs> that if we could enclose this space, gently ramp up to it outside so that when you know, the students enter the building, they're in it now and they can access all of it from one level. And that's literally what we did. The other interesting, and these are the same themes as from Four Seasons Center, are ideas about being able to see in. So this, the, so, you know, so-called this, the term brutalist, this concrete imposing architecture. Could we make something that's more transparent? And we added color, something that has color in what is otherwise a gray concrete facility, and that has some form, some shape. So all of the things that might differentiate it as a special space, as something saying, you're here now, those were what we added to create the new entrance. 
And then once we entered that space, not only is it level and connecting uh, administrative facilities on one side and the food hall and access to classrooms on the other, it, we opened up above so you could see up to the three levels of, the, of that building. So an atrium space that's light-filled from the top, but then when you enter at the bottom, horizontally you can move around, but visually for orientation you can see all the parts of the building. So all of these things are, are, are they're simple ideas, yet it's so easy when space is at a premium to, you know, you could use that, you could put another classroom there, you could put another facility there. And what, what the administration, what the, the, the committee that we worked with at Laurentian, what was so um, uh, really broad thinking on their part to, to recognize that this orientation, front door orientation, uh, this welcome center component of coming, so early orientation uh, talks can happen there, but then all the other kinds of flexible uses that can be made of the space. So what it is all day long is an informal study space, and then there is an amphitheater space that can be used for informal lectures, and then immediately adjacent to it are quiet study rooms that are not, are not you, know, you can't book them permanently, but you can come on a daily basis and students can work together uh, in groups. It also includes uh, an Indigenous Sharing and Learning Centre, right? Yes, it does. And that is, that is located as part of the Welcome Centre uh, component of the, of the campus. And how important was that? Given so, Laurentian's student base. Yeah, so absolutely. So Laurentian, which is bilingual and tricultural. So it was very much, it wasn't part of the original project. It was happening as a separate project. And then as we started working on the, the Laurentian project, we worked on what's called the Modernization Project. So if I, if I call it the Mod Project, that's what, that was sort of its, ter, its terminology. But so this Modernization Project was happening. It was going to affect the Welcome Center and Corridors and areas and improvements to classrooms. The Indigenous Sharing Learning Center was happening in parallel, and it clearly it was doing many of the same things. It was looking for a location on campus, and so when we were brought in, what was sort of brought into the into the uh, the definition of the project, we said, well, it could be part of this entrance. So the the color, the form, the transparency, all of those aspects it shares with the architecture of the main of the of the welcome center. But it's it's sort of located as a, a kind of like a pair with the atrium, which is the internal portion of the welcome center, and it is a freestanding building that's attached. But the wood structure and the form was very much drawn out of the the traditions of the indigenous cultures that have lived in the area. So we worked with a committee. At a, one of the most amazing meetings that we had was when we started to show them initial ideas. And one of the members, one of the elders that was on the committee, really encapsulated this idea of, she said, it's really important that our, that our community feels connected and that it's of today. It's got to have that or they won't want to use it. Yet having that grounding in the traditions is very important as well. And so that aspect of having an aspect, a kind of a component of both worlds, really important and something that we tried to design into the architecture and that they were pointing it was going to be essential to the sort of the success of it. Again, very much part of these ideas of access. The, uh, Paul's, Paul knows this story. The original location for the, uh, the Indigenous Sharing Learning Center was going to be a separate building uh, in the, there's a little wooded hillside close by. And the concern was that by not being at least connected to the rest of campus, they were worried the students aren't going to come and go as much because it isn't easy to get to and it maybe feels like it's something different. And so we, we, 
um, had uh, many of these sort of conversations about something that could be uh, connected to the rest of the campus, part of the rest of the campus, but still have a sort of a separate identity as well. And that was, that was sort of the themes that were developed. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to ask about um, other students who may be underrepresented in, in university and college settings, low-income students, first-generation students. How can you design buildings that would make those students feel included and welcome? I know one of the themes that we were um, uh, conscious of uh, in, in this, again, it's, it's into the theme of access, the spaces between, so classrooms, where I think we, I can't remember the numbers now, I think uh, 47 classrooms that we renovated as part of the, the project of Laurentian. So it was almost every single classroom. So actual, uh, the teaching methodologies and the infrastructure of the teaching environment, very much part of the formal project that we were working on. All of the in-between spaces, so I, what we, we called our euphemism was the quarters and arteries, but sort of the connection spaces, um, one of the professors made the comment that the five minutes before a lecture and the five minutes after is when so much of learning happens. And creating, th- as architects, to help create an infrastructure that supports those kinds of conversations and those sort of informal spaces where studying happens and, and, and conversations happen between students, between students and, and uh, the teachers as well. But those sort of informal spaces. That was one of the things that was identified early on as a way of creating a, um, a place at many places, but places on campus where that informal connectivity can happen and is as supported as an activity. Uh, so that's one way in which I think, uh, and I, I'm mentioning that, is, although it wasn't a, a maybe formally at the outset considered something that we were going to be looking for to, to support um, you know, students from kind of a range of disadvantaged or, or other backgrounds. But it, you can see it in practice that having uh, informal places where the furniture arrangements are flexible and aren't fixed, so students reorganize things to support what, there's two or there's three of us, there's a social group of us um, working together, that just having spaces that are available that can then be inhabited in a range of ways, that as a, as a strategy. I think another thing that was really important to the uh, to the Laurentian story was creating an act, uh, uh, a, a creating a place for things to happen. So this welcome center is it's an informal lobby atrium kind of space, and now that it is there, it's used all day long by students for you know any number of ways, and you know it'll kind of follow the cycle of the year as people are coming indoors as they do pretty soon in through September. And the way you habit it through the cycle of you know, leading up to exams and then back into the second term and lead, just how it sort of follows the flows of activity. What the, what the um, uh, administration has observed at Laurentian is that it's getting used in so many ways. But there is the, um, the you can see things happening in a way that when, there, when you haven't got formal spaces to support that or informal spaces to support, but visible spaces to support it, studying is still happening, but in the library, in people's, uh, uh, in the dorm rooms, in classrooms when they're available. But when it's sort of brought out and celebrated, it really supports that kind of activity happening on campus. There's a, there's a sort of a there, there, that thing is happening and going on and it becomes part of the kind of the, the culture of the campus. So when you start out on a project, do you, what kinds of things do you think about? Do you start out by thinking about who's, who, I'm 
with universities and colleges in mind specifically, do you start out by thinking about who are your students? What specific uh, groups do you have? Like, is that is that where you start? Or? So certainly that was that was a very big part of this project. We were fortunate in the the, uh, the steering committee. You, you always work with a uh, you know some in some who is the client's representative. That's who we work with. In the case of the Laurentian project, it was made up of student representatives, uh, academic prof- professors, uh, the administrative representatives, operations representatives, because it's a bilingual tricultural uh, uh, campus, there were representatives of all of those student bodies um, on the committee, as well as, um, uh, sorry, I can't remember the name of, the masters, a <laughs> um, uh, student body on campus as well. So it was a... Um, the representation of the students, the actual, the, the, the people who are going to be using the spaces, was a very strong voice on the committee that we were working with. That in concert with the objectives, which were very, it came out of visioning that the university had, had, was doing, so a five-year plan for their vision of, of, of growth change, as well as a master plan, which happened, you know, how are we, physically, how are we going to uh, turn these goals into, into directions? And then the actual project to implement it, all of them happened in such, in such really logical but fast succession that it, there was a really strong sense of what the, what the goals were of the project. And because it was so student-focused, so centered on the quality and the and, yeah, character uh, of student spaces on the campus, the dialogue with the with the student representatives was very was very strong. Um, so it was very much when we we're talking about their student center, which was one of the one of the spaces that was also being discussed. It wasn't the project that we did, but it's, it's now happening right now. It's being built right now. So it was sort of a um, you know kind of a, a, a parallel project. How all of those spaces were going to be working together in concert was very much part of the uh, the design conversation. Have you been involved with other uh, college or university uh, refurbishments? Or? So another, uh, I think, uh, interesting um, a, a project we've been working on recently that is now under construction is a, is a new wing at Robarts Library at the University of Toronto. So in these, the, these very different contexts, right? And, and in, in some ways, yes. In some ways, the parallels are. Very so Robarts is the third biggest library in North America. Has I can't remember how many millions of volume. So in some ways, really different. In some ways, 1969 opened in 73 is probably one of the archetypes of brutalist architecture in Canada and North America. You know, the concrete fort. So many of the same. Uh, challenges of how architectural expression, access, identity, the forbidding Fort Book, all of those themes very similar to the, to the story uh, with Laurentian. Uh, some other interesting aspects, though, and the, what's interesting about what the Robarts Common is the wing that we're doing now. If you know the Robarts Library, big triangular building, two satellite buildings, it was always intended to have a third, wasn't built, so now we are 40 years later. We're building the third satellite, and what's interesting is there are no books, there are very few computers, as well as a bit of computer access, but it is fundamentally about student study space. 
And that's, this came about, it came out of a project that we did earlier at Robarts Library, which is a renovation project. And the theme of that project had been, how do we support student studying in, this, in the spaces? So there was very modest, I mean, they still have this formidable and amazing physical collection, but it was really about thinking, rethinking how the architectural spaces work in order to find new and more study spaces. So we added 1,200 study spaces to the original building. And then over the course of thinking, it was implemented over five phases. And it had to do with entrance, making a new, more visible, connected entrance to the facility. If you know Robarts, you'll remember the old breezeways at the second level. And so by enclosing those and making them study spaces and putting a door on that you can see from the street, again, every fall, there's a new generation of students coming to that building going, where do I enter this, this amazing thing? So many of these, the, the themes of, of visibility of access is expression. But what's fascinating, again, with the Robarts Com and the new wing, it's so 1,200 spaces we added in the renovation, 1,200 spaces are being added in the, in the four stories of the, of the new wing that's being added to the, uh, to the west side of the building. And as well, we're using a lot of, again, transparency, like being able to see what's going on from inside, being able to see the campus, the sun, the carrot, just the warmth, uh, the light. You never can have too much light in interior spaces. Sun control, it's not hard to work and study when you're, when you're sitting directly in sunlight. So aspects of sun control are part of that as well. But finding an expression of an architecture that softens the, the, the severe uh, character of the of the the big concrete original building, um, but is respectful of it as well. It's a very cool building, or you know, cool like it's amazing mm-hmm. as a physical thing, yet forbidding. How can we reta- retain that incredible personality but make it open and accessible? Mm-hmm. Okay, those are all the questions I had. Thanks very much. My pleasure. You can hear more from Gary at HECO's annual conference, Access in Practice, which is taking place April 4th and 5th in Toronto. For more information, visit the conference website, accessinpractice.ca. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or visit our SoundCloud page. Thanks for listening.